Welcome to the Crazy Egg Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Teddy. No matter where you are, thanks for making this part of your day. Thanks for taking a listen. Follow me on social media at Crazy Ike Fan on Instagram and on X. Crazy Ike Fan Facebook page. What's up, ladies and gents? I could do this. Greek football fans all over the world. How's everyone doing this week? <clears throat> I apologize that I'm a little late putting out a podcast, but just had some things going on this week. Was out of town the other day and very busy week both at work and with family. Anyway, enough with the excuses. Hope everyone's doing well. Wow, what a what a week it's been for Ike. <laughs> so let's get straight into it. I mean, by the time I finish editing and posting this podcast, we're probably going to be about a, a day away from playing Ophi. Uh, so going to talk about a little bit of a, a little bit about that, the game coming up, as well as I'm going to give a little recap of both Panathinaikos, Ike and Laforos, Ike's big victory against Panathinaikos, and then Ike Atromitos. Full disclosure, the Ike Atromitos match, I did not watch. I listened to it. I was out of town with my family, and I was in an area where there was spotty internet. And I'll get into the details uh, when we get to, to when I get to talk about that match. But let's get started with a little bit of news. Um, I like to send out my sympathies to the family and friends of Dimitris Majeras, he was a, I don't think he was a reporter, but he was a radio personality. I know at night he worked as a DJ, very well known uh, to Greek sports fans. If you listen to any kind of radio over the past, oh, I'd say what, 15, 20 years, you would know who Dimitris Majeras is. He used to do a morning Greek time, early morning show on Sport FM back in the day. And then for a little while, to Ike fans, you'll know the name of Vasilis Gerasimou, who used to do the the nighttime broadcast on Sport FM and then moved. Actually, he was let go from Sport FM and ended up uh, moving to a new radio station where he teamed up with Majeras and they had their own early morning show going for a little while. Um, sad, he died at a young age. Um you know, like I've said before in this podcast, death has no color. He seemed like a very humble man. He seemed very, uh, very entertaining, very funny to listen to. He was an Olympiacos fan, but nevertheless, um, just a public figure that passed away this week. Uh, may his memory be eternal and gone way too soon, in my opinion. Uh, so let's move on from that. Let's get into talking about this big Athens derby and this week that was called hell week for Ike as it's translated from Greek where we had Olympiakos, Brighton and Panathinaikos. Ike finished that hell week with a very upbeat note beating Panathinaikos in Leoforos 2-1 actually a comeback victory. Let's talk about the stuff before the match. Ike were refusing to come out at first because there was a banner that uh, the Panathinaikos fans, Gate 13, or let me rephrase that. A section of Gate 13 had put up saying free the boys, meaning free the people that are currently in prison or held in prison in connections with the death of Michalis. Uh, It was very good to see that a lot of Panathinaikos fans, I would say, from people that were there that I've spoken to, that I heard of, videos that I've watched online, the majority of the Panathinaikos fans uh, booed that action, and then rightfully so. I mean, you have to be a real, 
real serious special type of idiot to do something like that and to promote or to stand by a group of people that came in and terrorized your country and killed one of your own countrymen. Because at the end of the day, we're human first. We're Greek by heritage, but we're human. And I think it's ridiculous. Just as, you know, and poor Mikhaili's family has to relive this and live this shame. And I echo the sentiment that the Mikhaili's brother was asked what he thought. And he said, I'm, I'm ashamed of being Greek and I don't blame him for from seeing that. But it was good to know that uh, a lot of people in the Panathinaikos camp, both from Gate 13, I don't know officially, but um, have kind of condemned that action. And I'm glad it was taken down. But just, uh, I don't know, just something that, I mean, would make anyone's stomach turn. And I'm not going to say that just because I'm a Nike Z. When Nike fans do something that's stupid... I'll condemn them, you know, and I hope we never do something that stupid. Whenever I, you know, we have Sintimata against Thirafta, but it's not against the people that died in the Gate 7 tragedy. I would never, I would never wish death on anyone and would never make fun of someone's death. That's just ridiculous. Anyway, but let's move on from that. Let's not give that more time. Um, glad that, like I said, it was... um it was denounced by a lot of people and ripped apart by a lot of Panathinaikos reporters as well as fans. Um, I came into this match, Collins making his first start, the center back, the late signing for Ike. When I first kind of looked at that, I was like, okay, what's Almeida thinking here? And it's so hard, man, sometimes not to question him because you're... You, your football logic or your sports logic from watching sports for so long says, why would you do that? Why would you throw him and introduce him in a game like this that, that, that's on fire? Well, Collins proved to be very effective. He was very good out on the pitch. Proved to be a very good signing for Ike. And um, as long as Almeida's there and he's helping make decisions, I'm not going to second guess what this team does anymore. Do I wish that the signing would have been made early? That way we could have had him maybe to help out in Europe or uh, so he would have been match fit earlier. Yes, but I mean, it, you know, you can't be perfect all the time in any in any business, in any type of decision you make. You can't be perfect. And it's but it seems like every decision this team makes under Almeida uh to use a yank term, it hit, they hit a home run, meaning it, it works out well for Ike. So with that said, you know, Panathinaiko started the game a little stronger. They pressed Ike. They, um, Ike, it took Ike a minute to find her, her footing, which seems to be the, the status quo this year. It, it, always, it always feels like it takes this team a few minutes to settle in. Either we start strong and we kind of die off at the, the half hour mark, the intensity, or defensively we start kind of sloppy. But it wasn't a sloppy defensive play, it was just a brilliant goal by the Panathinaikos player, Zurisic. And he scored an, an, an amazing goal. He put it where 
Yes, I heard some people criticizing Stankovic and saying he should have done better or Collins. I mean, Collins, just to be able to get to him, um, it was remarkable. And the way he put his foot out, he did whatever he could on that play. It, it was um, the way I've heard it described and the way I think of that goal. Nine times out of ten, it doesn't go in. Nine times out of ten, either it, it was at a very hard angle. Nine times out of ten, it either goes to the side netting or the keeper's able to to poke it out. Uh, just a great goal, honestly. There's there's not much you can say to that. And it, I mean, it was kind of unlucky that we conceded. And I have to say, this was a derby that I sat down and I watched a little bit more calm. Yes, I wanted Ike to win, obviously. Yes, I was very happy with the end result. But it was also a, a derby where I was like still feeling the high off the Brighton game. And I was like, you know, we did something so big beating Brighton in England the other day that even if we were able to lose here, it's not the end of the world. And of course, even with winning it, yes, it helps team morale. It helps the fact that you won a derby. But it's so early on in the season that it doesn't make that big of a difference right now. Now, it could prove to be key, as we saw last season. You know, by the end of the season, it it could have come down to a missed penalty by Levy Garcia, not to point this out again, that could have cost Ike the championship had Panathinaikos and Ike tied um, in, uh, in, in the points last year, finishing out the year. Another thing that I would like to point out that I just thought of before I came on here, this was the first Panathinaikos goal that this Jovanovic team has scored against Ike, against this Almeida Ike, I should say, from open play. Last year, they scored two goals in that first match, and they were able to beat Ike 2-1 to one in Lofotos the beginning of last season. But they were both with penalties. This was the first open goal play, which is, which is actually pretty good. And Ike were able to bounce back right away. I mean, immediately, almost, minutes after. I mean, this goal was scored, what, in the 10th minute, 11th minute almost? In the... As <sighs> soon as Ike were able to get possession and kick off... After the goal, Levy Garcia goes down and has a great double chance to score um, where, uh, you know, it's always hard to beat um, to beat Brignoli. He's a great goalkeeper. I've said that before on the podcast. Every time we play Panathinaikos, great goalkeeper. But I controlled the game from then on. From then on till I mean, I just kept attacking, attacking, attacking. And you knew the time was coming where you were going to score. Meanwhile, I was texting. My brother was texting me and saying how... Uh, you know what? I really don't like this Levy Garcia character. Full disclosure, my brother's a Panathinaikos fan, so he was getting a little nervous. And I was like, well, I joked back with him and I said, yeah, but he misses a lot, you know. Um, my brother texted me back and said, you know, thank God. Um, but I just controlled the, the, the match. I mean, you really didn't see Panathinaikos. They had one shot that was off target at the beginning of the second half. And then really did not threaten Ike until the 70th minute, which was which was crazy. For me in the first half, Zuber played spectacular. Levy Garcia played phenomenal. Uh, Zuber, for me, was man of the match simply because of what he was able to do to the Panathinaikos defense. He, um, you know, obviously he scored the opening goal, which heads up play for him, Panathinaikos just... Just was at a stalemate. They were waiting for a foul to be called. And I know some Panathinaikos fans, not very many, were complaining that that should have been a foul. 
But it was just two players that ran into each other. I mean, how do you call a foul on that where it's kind of both their faults? Like, what do you like? How do you call either a penalty or you call a or you or you call an offensive foul when the two players just were going after the ball and they literally just collide with each other? And the Panathinaikos defense just stood still, thinking the ref was going to call something, and Zuber just put the ball in the back of the net. It was still a great shot by Zuber in the third six minute. Um, and then you really didn't hear much, like I said, from Panathinaikos. Of course, in the second half, controversy with um, whether Galanopolo, this was around the 50, around the 60th minute, with Galanopolo not shown a second yellow card. And I get the grumbling from Panathinaikos fans that would say, okay, why wasn't he shown a second yellow? And a referee should not, in my opinion, correct a wrong with a wrong. Meaning that he gave Galanopoulos a, a, a yellow card that was laughable. I mean, Galanopoulos literally had his hands up. The player was running into him. It was kind of, to use a basketball term, it was kind of like a play where, I guess, I guess you could also use it in football terms, but where the player was trying to draw a foul almost, was trying to get into the body of Galanopoulos and knew he was running out of gas and... He was just trying to get something out of the play besides losing possession and just dropped down. And a, a, not only was a foul called, but a yellow card was taken out by Galanopoulos. Now, the yellow card may have been because, yes, Galanopoulos did. If you watch the uh, the highlights or the replay, he did start kind of mouthing off to the referee. Maybe the referee gave him a yellow card there. I think, as I've said before, on Varn, on replay, looking back at a replay especially when you play something in slow motion you guys have to understand i mean this is only like logic here it always looks worse than what it is so maybe the referee doesn't have that uh, that capability to go back and watch a replay in his in his mind he just saw two players going for the ball the one player got fouled and we all know man come on man i people make comments about this all the time that are not that are not football people that are not quote-unquote soccer people well, they'll say, oh my gosh, look, that guy barely got touched and he's freaking rolling around on the ground. Everyone tries to get whatever they can from that. I'm not saying that it wasn't a yellow card. Uh, and then you can't have Barr intervene because it wasn't a play where it could be reviewed as a straight red. Um, do I think I got away with one there? Yeah, absolutely. But this stuff's going to happen in football. I mean, last week we saw it. Um uh, Fortuny's got away with one in, in, in Philadelphia where he could have easily gotten a second yellow card um, last week. Did this change the trajectory of the game as some Panathinaikos fans are claiming? Conspiracy theorists, you know, the old Nicolo Yanis. I'm not even going to talk about that joker. That guy's a freaking joke. That guy's got... He's being fed so well by Alafuzos and he's so far by Alafuzos Colo that he... Um... I'm not going to take it to that extreme because your team did not play well. When my brother texted me later on and said, you know, we were, long story short, we had planned on watching the match together. I really would have liked to have gotten together with him. Uh, but uh, when he was texting me later on, he said, we could have lost so much worse today. He's like, it could have easily been, and this is a Panathinaikos fan, okay? My brother's, again, he's a Panathinaikos fan. 
he told me we I should have at least won four one today. At least he said Panathinaikos played terrible from what he's seen the past uh, few weeks. Um, and to blame Ike for like Nikola Yanis and other Panathinaikos reporters and some Panathinaikos fans are saying for coming out with intensity. Are you kidding me? Are you are, are we playing a man's game here, or are we a bunch of you know, are we a bunch of lady parts? You know the way Ike plays. If you can't handle it, then say you can't handle it. If your team is too finesse, they're too finesse. What do you want me to do about it? Um, but great victory for Ike. Like I said, that was a, a big moment. Could it have changed the game in some ways? Maybe. I mean, yeah, Ike would have played with a with a man down. But we've also seen when Ike played with a man down, I don't know, with this Panathinaikos team... The way they were playing, you never know what could have happened. We we can't make speculation, but you have to just move on with it and keep playing the game. There was still a good half hour left in the game where Panathinaikos could have turned the game around had they had they been able to. And then in the 68th minute, Pizarro breaks free, is able to make a, a beautiful through ball. Now, he did have, uh, there was something that came out that statistically he was one of the number one players in the MLS, or the number one player, before he was uh, before he was let go by Miami FC, of course, as we all know, to make room for Lionel Messi. At um, unlocking passes that unlock defenses, and this was a great pass to Steven Juber. Now, with the naked eye, I thought this was completely offsides. He was in the middle of the pitch, passed the ball to the wing, like we're attacking left to right, I'm sorry, no, right to left, I'm trying to remember, and he passes it to Steven Zuber, wide open Steven Zuber, off to the left wing, um, and then Steven Zuber crosses, and Pineda is able to get in between two defenders off the Steven Zuber cross, and is able to put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, with the naked eye, that initial pass from Pizarro to Zuber, I thought it was offsides. I was like, okay, I'm not going to get too excited. This is this is coming back for sure. VAR's going to check it out. Then when I saw the VAR, I was like, wait a second. No, no, no. There's no there's no offsides here. This is going to count. Um, but great heads up play by Ike. Then, like I said, in the 70th minute, Panathinaikos had their opportunities, two big opportunities, one with a header from Munaidis. And another header off a corner kick where um, Arau, I think is his name, the defender for Panathinaikos, where he's left wide open. I mean, he really should have done better there. And Ike got very lucky on that play. Um, Ike had a couple of chances to really seal the deal. But you didn't really see much much fight from this Panathinaikos team. You really didn't see... Ike controlled most of the match. That intent, I, uh, Panathinaikos just could not match... Ike's intensity, in my opinion. Um, Ike completely controlled the midfield, even though this midfield of Panathinaikos is better than last year and more attack-minded. Also, uh, one thing that I totally forgot to mention, with the first 15 seconds of the match, I don't even think it was 15, I think it was like 11 seconds in the match, Magnusson for Panathinaikos got injured. Now, that was very big. That played a big role into this match. Uh, Magnusson, we wish him well. Speedy recovery. You'd hate to see a player get injured for a long period of time, even if he is for a rival team. You know, like I said, we're humans first, guys. You know, Kaloine Iplaka, Kaloine Krasura, 
But or say key, man. Like some stuff is taken way too seriously. Big injury for Panathinaikos, and I think he is a key to Panathinaikos because they're able to play out the back with him a lot better. He would have been able to get behind Ike's defense that sometimes Ike are susceptible to those long balls because they press so far up high, it, you know, and being the, that he's like the the center of that uh, Panathinaikos defense, really, really big miss for Panathinaikos there. Um and then the match finished 2-1 Ike victory. So Ike finished this entire week of the hell week that we called it with out of a possible nine points, they got seven, which is great compared to the form that we were going into. I was worried that we were going into this hell week, that we were wounded, that we had Olympiacos who were trending up coming in in Philadelphia. And that game finished 1-1 in a game where Ike, it, it really could have gone either way. I mean, I think a tie at the end of that was was a, was a fair result for both two clubs. But then you had, um, you know, the game against Brighton where I've talked, I talked about that obviously in the last podcast, where you were like, okay, let's not get smashed in Brighton. Ike were able to pick up three points there and actually lead their group in Europe. And then you're able to finish off with getting a big win in Leofotos. Um, yeah, I would take it. Would I have liked to gotten nine from nine? But I wasn't even sure if we could get four out of nine at the beginning of last week. So I'll take this. Um, you know, the team seems to be trending up. I don't think anyone thinks that they're playing the, the best football or their best football yet. The defense, even though they're conceding, I would say they're not conceding easy goals like they were. It's still troubling that they are conceding because that you don't want to in the, pe- me watching the match and then hearing people report on it afterwards. They were saying how Ike, it seems like, okay, we got scored on. Now it's time to pick up the pace. Now it's time to pick up the intensity after Panathinaiko scored. You don't want to see that because if that happens and you go into it with that mentality, like, okay, we're going to we're gonna concede, but we're going to play with such intensity and we have so much confidence in ourselves that we can score more, more goals than the other team that we're just going to outscore every opponent. I don't want them to go in with that mentality because I think that's just, that's going to turn around and bite you in the golo if you, if you aren't careful. And I don't think that's the case. I mean, you look at both of the goals that were conceded in Brighton. Uh, we, we talked about it last week um, to go through the whole game against Brighton and not really have them threaten you too much. And then to have this game against Panathinaikos to, to, in front of a, a crazy crowd at the La Foros to have them score first and then have uh, and then come back and win. Just positives, positives all around. Um, so let's put a bow on that because I still got a lot I want to get to. Like I said, full disclosure, with the Ica Tromitos match, Ica were able to win 2-1. We're moving on to that match now. Uh, didn't watch this. All I did was hear most of it on the radio. Um, but let's go through as much as I can now watching high from what I heard, from what I saw in the highlights, from the radio that I've listened to. Going to try my best to recap this game as best as I can. But 
in the first half, Ike played really well. I heard they missed a lot of chances. They really should have been up two, three goals. Um, first off, Ike had eight new players into their rotation. The only, honestly, the only three players that started that started the last two matches were, or that started the last match were Stankovic. Mitoglu and Collins. Collins uh, was subbed off during the Panathinaikos match. I forgot to mention that. And Simanski came in. We were worried about injury, but they said it was cramps, which is logical, man. The guy hasn't played a full match in a while for him to be match fit. It was good that he had a great showing against Panathinaikos and then was able to play against Satromitos. That way he can kind of get into match form. Um to see if we need him. Now we won't be able to use him in Europe, but maybe coming against Ofi on Monday. But a match where Ike really dominated the first half from what I heard and from what I saw on the highlights really should have been two or three nil and really should have had this game done and dusted by halftime. They didn't do that. Ike were able to get a penalty and uh, Omnibot was able to convert the penalty around the 34th minute and then they had a couple of great chances at the end of the half to really make it two nil and to, to finish the game off. They didn't do that. And the funny thing is, at around the 70th minutes where I, my connection got lost and I was going through some mountains here in North Carolina and um, my connection got cut off so I couldn't listen to the last 20 minutes of the match. But I remember hearing the announcers of the feed that I was listening to it on say, you know, like, as long as the game is staying at that 1-0 point and we all know as long as it's one nil there's still a chance for the other team to get something to come back and either equalize so they can get a point so that's exactly what happened around the 70th minute finally Atromitos came out of their hole and were actually playing Bala and I think one thing that a lot of people talked about was Ike in the second half kind of were acting like they were up two or three nil when you were only up one zero I mean they controlled the match but they stopped creating very many opportunities. They just held possession. They weren't trying. Then Almeida saw that, so he tried to make some uh, adjustments, bring in some subs to kind of freshen up the team. Um, that didn't work either. And then, lo and behold, I throw me just get a couple of chances. They did score a goal that was uh, disallowed. I'm going to say something on that because I know there's been a lot of stuff around the internet. And I have to agree with everyone else. <laughs> so, okay, this is the way that I heard it <laughs> described to be. And, I, and I'm not trying to laugh, but the player that was considered offsides was not the goal scorer, but was the guy that was standing next to Stankovic, where he was considered... Uh, what do they call it? Nepiraziti Fasi. Where uh, he, he's affecting the play. I see that as bogus. I don't I don't buy into all these conspiracy theories that Ike has Apple, Ike this, Ike that, that we've seen all over the place. I can tell you from experience, and if you listen to this podcast for a while, if you're a neutral or you're a fan of an opposing club... If you go back and listen to episodes before, old episodes of mine and, and things that we saw last year, the calls that I did not get, this is a, and I, and I hate touching on this every time that a referee decision comes into this league, 
this is a cultural issue in Greece is that refereeing is human and VAR has actually improved, in some ways improved football, but in some ways made it worse. I mean, look at some of the calls you see in the Premier League, in the Bundesliga, in La Liga, all over the world. This, this was like the bad call of bad calls. Um, I didn't see a problem with it. The goal should have counted. Um, and then, of course, it was still 1-0 Ike at this point. And Atromitos still attacking. We're able to win a penalty after CDB takes down uh, Atromitos player that originally was called off sides, but then with VAR. So here, here, here's my, my, you know, if, if this was a conspiracy, right? If this was Ike having Apple, if this was, then why wouldn't they just call that off sides? Or why wouldn't they just give CD Bay a yellow card instead of a red? If this was, you know, Ike, Ike against everyone or Ike controls Apple, I mean, you know, um, so then that throw me just converts the penalty and it becomes one, one. And that's right. When I clicked on my phone to check the score, we had met up with some friends of ours and we were getting ready to eat at a restaurant. So I was just checking the score and I, and I saw the one, one, and I said, you know, F U C K out loud. I was just like, what the hell is going on? What? I was like, I, I knew this was going to happen when you don't take advantage of your chances. And I think we're just going to have to live with that, guys. I think we're just going to have to live with the fact that this team is going to create so many chances that in some matches, we're just not going to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. And that's going to happen. But as many talking football heads in Greece have talked about, Katsouranis, I think, has talked about this. I know Vasilis um, Borbokis who's a guest on NOC Tilia GR. They do a YouTube show. I've mentioned it before, has talked about this. Don't be afraid of the team that creates. If a team is creating opportunities, it's a great thing. The ball just needs to start going in the back of the net. And I just needed, before they, they you know, kind of brought down their intensity in this match, they needed to put the match away first. Even though you weren't, you were barely seeing Atromitos have a pulse, you know, and then obviously the... Opposing manager Coleman saw this and was like, "All right, they're they're kind of bringing down their intensity. Let's let's go for it. If they're not going to come after it and really try to, to to finish this match away, they're sitting at the bottom of the table or close to the bottom of the table. They're going to try to do whatever they can to at least get a point, um, you know. And then, uh, <laughs> of course, at the at the very end of the match, Hadzi Safis saves Ike, knocks a ball right off the end of the line. I mean, well." Um, but anyway, Ike gets, gets the business. And just like a lot of talking heads have said in Greece to talk about this match, and a lot of us know, as you're going through a, a league year, you're going to see games like this. You're going to get wins like this at some point. If you're lucky, sometimes you're going to get wins. Sometimes you're, you know, you would have just picked up a point. It just would have been a little, A little heartbreaking for us to say Ike was coming off such a big high. And also, would have you would have started to wonder, like, why does... And I know a lot of fans are still wondering this. Why are Ike struggling so bad at home this season? You know, last year was a fortress. Last year, I mean, even in the one game that we lost, I hate to repeat this over and over again, 
but we actually played really good against Olympiacos Bacos that game. Um, but this year, it seems like this was the first win, period, both in Europe and in, uh, and in the league that we were able to pick up these three points against Atromitos. And something about this team, I, the past few years, I don't know if it's psychological. I don't know if it's just, if it's, uh, if it's by chance, if it's coincidental or what it is. But Ike, the past several years, have struggled, even when they've had a good team. Even if Atromitos has been bad, they've always struggled against Atromitos, both home and away. It's just, it's one of those teams that, for some reason, gets under our skin. And they're not easily, they don't easily go away. We don't easily put this team away when we play them. Uh, but something that Ike's going to have to get better at. Now, let's really quickly look forward to the... Um, the match coming up this Monday, I travel down at Heraclio and Criti at the Yadikule Stadium to face Ofi, a scrappy Ofi team, an Ofi team that has been playing good football. They haven't gotten very good results lately, but is playing good football. We know they're going to play good football at home. Um, so let's just see what happens. Uh, I don't think he's going to play a fully rotated squad as he did, Almeida did, in, in the game against Atromitos. But I still, I think to kind of give Levy Garcia a little bit of game time, I think Levy Garcia will probably play maybe either as a sub in the second half for like 20, 30 minutes, or he'll play like the first 60 minutes or so um, just to get a little bit more game time. I know last game he did he wasn't even on the bench at all for Ike against Atromitos, which was good. You know, you don't want him getting hurt, especially before you have this massive, massive European match against Ajax. Um, and uh, let me throw in some words about that because I don't know if I'll be back to do a preview pod before that. I know I'll, I'll come back after the Ajax match and talk about it. So... Uh, I could see this as a little... If I don't take this game seriously, I could see this being a little bit of a trap game. You know those fans, that team, and Atlético is going to be ready for it. Teams have already gone down there. Pauk have struggled there. I think Pauk got a draw or they lost. Or did they lose in Criti? I know for sure Adi's lost in Criti. Um, so always a tough place to play down in Atlético. I, I love the fans there, the the team um, down there, it's one of those, I've talked about it before, it's one of those I feel like Ofi needs to be a mainstay in the Super League, and they were a mainstay for a long time in the 90s, and were very good, it was very hard for all the big teams that were battling for a championship to go down there in Kriti and get, and pick up three points, I mean, in most seasons, if you got a point in Kriti, that was, that was good enough, like, you were happy with just getting a point, but let's hope I can pick up all three points, I just see this championship as, as, unfolding in front of us, even though it's early, as really being very highly entertaining, highly um, uh, highly competitive. Bonk are getting better. Olympiacos are getting better. Panathinaikos, I think, are better offensively than they were last year. You know, they're putting teams away, even though some would say the other day that they struggled more than what the scoreline showed against the set of They're struggling, but they're doing something different from last year, they're finding the back of the net. Um, and they've looked better, e even though Ike, because of the way, the style that they play, beat them this past week. I still think Panathinaikos are, are a good team. And it's it's just shaking out to be a very interesting uh, 
very interesting league campaign for all these teams. And I think the the front runners are the, are the top four right now. Olympiacos, Pauk, Panathinaikos, and Ike. Um, I think we're going to be right in the, the middle of the, the thick of things. I don't see anyone running away with it. Someone would really have to... Because I... Here's my thought process. I could see a team getting on a roll, but I don't see... Because the competition underneath us is not that is showing that it's not that good this year. I don't see very many of the smaller teams taking away points from from the top four. Maybe that'll improve because you have to see. Look at Volos. Look at how bad they are this year. Look at Atromitos. I mean, yeah, I know they could have easily taken points off Ike. And maybe I'm contradicting what I'm getting ready to say, but or what I'm talking about. But I just don't see them as as strong as as in years past. So I don't see a lot of teams dropping points um, as easily. I think all the the four top contenders are are really good, and I see the derbies being very very key. And it was very big that Ike were able to get this win against Panathinaikos this past week. But let's move on with that. So I think I I think I think Ike will get the job done in Heraklio against Ofi. On Monday, and then on Thursday, we have our first European home match of the group, play, welcoming Ajax to Ayesofiao Pop. Um, very interesting match. Very interesting match. Ajax right now are at a little bit of a rebuilding phase. I, I don't think you can really say that about a big European powerhouse like Ajax. Um maybe a regrouping. I don't really like to say rebuilding, but re- regrouping or re reloading stages. We know Ajax are, uh, are a big club in Europe. They're, uh, you know, they truly are an academy of football. So let's hope that they don't wake up in this match against Ike, um, which is becoming very big. I think if I can take all three points here. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But if I can pull it off again and are able to get three points against Ajax, then we're sitting in good shape. We're sitting in good shape as far as third place is concerned. And we're sitting in good shape uh, at the top of the table. Um, if I are able to to get it to get it done. And I think um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens against Ajax. Of course, it's going to be a very tough match. Because even though it's Ajax are not in such good form, they're still Ajax. You know they're going to have quality on that team. You know that quality can do damage. It's going to be a tough match. No matter how hurt Ajax or they are right now, like I said, they're still a giant of, of, of European football. So um, let's see what happens. A uh, few other things. Um, guys, if you enjoy the content, please subscribe, rate the podcast wherever you can, write a review wherever you can. I appreciate you guys a million percent. Thanks so much for interacting with me. Thanks for uh, for the messages. Some people wrote to me and asked me about when am I going to start talking about basketball, whenever I can get around to it, whenever I can get around to watching this team. Of course, you know, the, the basketball news in English is not that easy to find. Uh, to see how this team is coming together. Um, I'll have to watch them first. I think the season's getting ready to tip off. Um, so when I get around to it, I will talk a little bit of basketball as much as I can. But yeah, have a great weekend. Enjoy your weekend, guys. And uh, Forza, I got Hopefully I can go down to Crete and get 
all three points and then let's see what happens against Ajax on Thursday and I'll be back to talk about it next week. Have a great week, guys. Forza, Ikara.